He brings the passion. For what? I want to know now. I'm, I'm mentally invested. Don't tell me to pray and you don't say what for. He brings the perspective. Yeah, I... I think they both have a great point. Get off me, text line. Uh, he's truly one of a kind. That is wow. Oh, my God. Oh. And he's doing a great job. I okay. need you to man up and say what you really want to say. Simon, you're doing a great job. And together, they are Stiney and Guru. Yeah. On 95.7 The Game. Your mic. Hey. There we go. Oh, boy. Hope that's not an omen. Uh, Matt Simons with Evan Giddings today. Uh, Guru with a little uh, family issue that he's dealing with. Hopefully he'll be back tomorrow. It's an unfortunate day. It is, actually. It is a Thursday. I know. I know. And I'm going to... I'm going to ask the Bay Area to refrain from cheap shots against <laughs> Goo today because uh, he is dealing with uh, an issue that... Uh, it is legitimate. Yes, hopefully. Yeah. It's it's always legit. Of course. So hopefully uh, Goo will be back tomorrow. I'll tell you what. I'm Here's how I'm starting off the show today. It, maybe, maybe it's an upset. This may be an upset. Upset special. Let me tell you, last night, what Jonathan Kaminga did is one of the hardest things you can do as a pro athlete. He's a young player. Alright? Not playing. All game. You guys aren't playing well. We're down 11 to the Portland Trailblazers with five minutes left in the third quarter. You got nothing going. Kaminga hasn't played the whole game and Steve Kerr goes, go get him. I mean... The bottom line is Jonathan Kaminga could have tried to do too much. He could have tried to ease his way into the game. He could have tried to do a million different things. But whatever he did last night was perfect. It was perfect. He was... He won the game for the Warriors. He won the game for the Warriors after not playing Evan... Gets put in, down 11, hey, go make something happen. And you know what? He made something happen. But he didn't do it by sticking out like a sore thumb. He didn't do it by floating. He just, he did everything right. He let the game come to him to a perfect degree. He took what uh, was given to him and took advantage. We talk a lot about Jonathan Kaminga, and I just felt like today I wanted to start the show by saying, tell you what, this guy delivered last night. In a big way. Well, and I'm, I'm glad you want to start with him because I think he's also a symbol for kind of the, the bigger, broader things that we're going to dig into throughout this show. But for, yeah, I mean, you and I were texting during the first half and it's like, no Kaminga at all? I mean, if first and foremost, the Blazers are a team that you would imagine would be a, a fit for a Jonathan Kaminga because they're young, they like to run. It's, I mean, last night they're down two starters. They're basically playing pickup basketball to start the game. And so you figured at some point we'd see Kaminga in the first half, and we didn't. And we didn't see him until, what, four minutes left, five minutes left mm-hmm. in the third quarter? For him to do what he did, I don't know if it's his best game in his career. And it might have been two games ago, which Steve Kerr, who I'm sure we're going to talk about a lot as well, talked about Jonathan Kaminga's most impressive game. I think that was his most impressive game because I can't recall a time, and look, he was you know perfect from the floor, he defended without fouling, 
he gave juice to a team that, quite frankly, was lifeless for, for most of that game. I mean, they did not look like a team that, by the way, had three days of rest, got sunk after blowing a 22-point lead against the Clippers. You'd think that they would come out at home on fire to put away a Portland team that had no business being in that basketball game, but they didn't. And so Steve Kerr threw something at the wall, and it stuck. And it was Kaminga. And he was the reason why they won that basketball game last night. So I thought it was extremely impressive. And I do wonder why it took that to get Kaminga on the floor. I mean, the the Warriors are in such a, a fragile state in which they're trying to figure out whether the veterans still have it, which they didn't for most of last night outside of Curry, or if the young guys deserve to be in. Like I'm glad Kaminga did what he did. Just the way I'm glad that Moses Moody did what he did against Sacramento but didn't get the chance to close. I'm glad Pajemski's done what he's done in recent weeks because they're forcing Steve Kerr to make tough choices. They're forcing Steve Kerr to say these guys have to play. And whether he's gone back on his word sometimes or not, last night was, I think, a defining moment for a kid that we have yet to see make the third-year leap. And I think that's a great step in the right direction. Well, it's funny because I'm watching that game last night, and at the time I didn't know that Kaminga was going into the game out of the rotation. And the second half rolls along, and it's midway through the second half, or I'm sorry, third quarter, and I'm thinking, you know, they got to do something with Kaminga. I mean, you can't you can't have Kaminga not playing anymore. It's his third year. If if he if he's not a part of this team by now. And you still think you're sniffing championship aspirations? Well, then, then you got to move him, don't you? I mean, you can't have the kid play in 16, 18 minutes. Um, and so, again, I'm—I was just watching the game last night, thinking they—it feels like they have an extra player. It, it, when I when I go down the list of Moody, and I think he's earned the right to play more. Moody, Kaminga, Wiggins, Clay, Peyton the second. I feel like you're never going to be able to get all those guys going at the same time because the nobody's going to be able to play enough minutes consistently because there's too many of those guys, especially if Draymond Green's healthy, playing 30 minutes at the four. Then how are you, how does Peyton, Moody, Kaminga, Thompson, Wiggins get how can any of them get any kind of uh, you know, stability with a consistent role? And that's, I think, with one thing Steve Kerr is trying to figure out. Yeah, I mean, he, he talked about it. I know we have, we have the sound for it, talking about how this is it's like a puzzle piece, or puzzle pieces right now, and he's got to piece the puzzle together. I mean, and the reason, quite frankly, he has to do it is because there are so many players beyond your number one. So outside of number 30, who's your best player on a given night? That changes more often mm-hmm. than has ever happened during the dynasty for Golden State. More often than Steve Kerr has ever had to deal with. Yep. And so now you're looking up and down your roster and you're saying, well, it's, I mean, I, I don't necessarily believe it. It's hard to play 10 guys, you know, get them in the game. But when he's talking about that, I hear him saying, well, it's hard to, to your point, Stein, to get guys going if you're playing a 10 man rotation. Right. But that's what you're going to have to do. And you're going to have to ride hot hands, and you're going to have to coach with feel, and you're going to have to make decisions that will change night in and night out. And so this isn't going to be a set rotation team. Like That's not the way these Warriors are going to operate as of now, because at the top of your rotation, 
those guys have not played up to standard. The Wiggins, the Clays, the Draymonds, the 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 Loonies even, those guys have not been good enough for you to blindly trust them yet in my opinion this season and that's why I think we're seeing Steve Kerr, you know, essentially be forced into a situation to, for a guy that was quote unquote out of the rotation to throw him in the game because last night no one else was playing well. Yeah, this is uh this is Steve Kerr after last night's game talking about rotations, starting lineups, etc. We talk about it every day. I've really been patient and hoping to get our first unit, you know, from the last couple of years um, into a good groove. It's just easier to play and to coach uh, when everybody knows exactly where they fit in. Role players, uh, it's easier to play a role when kind of a set rotation and, you know, the, the stars are playing well and all that. So everything, you know, the puzzle kind of fits. So to be honest, the puzzle hasn't fit this year and we've had a lot of guys playing well but um, we we may have to think about you know moving the, the starting lineup around game to game depending on who we're facing I'd still prefer to get something solid but um, we haven't really established uh, anything this year and and uh, you know we're a quarter of the way through so there's definitely uh, you know a lot of thought that's gonna have to go into this what do you think he means 888-957-9570. Warrior fans, what's he mean? He says he may have to start thinking about changes to the starting lineup game to game. Who's he talking about? Well, it's the first time we've ever heard him I agree. reference the starting lineup needing right. to change. Right. Or possibly changing. Now, he's done it before when he's had to. Like, if guys right. have been out sure. or if they've been hurt. Yeah, like if Seth Curry's hurt, Chris Paul's going to start. Uh, you know, if, if Wiggins earlier, Draymond earlier in the year wasn't playing because he had an ankle injury when he was suspended, like the starting lineup changes. But when you are just about as close to full strength as possible, I know Gary Payton II is not going to be available for a while, but you're pretty damn close to having your full cast of characters, which is another reason why last night's result or the first three quarters of that game was, was really perplexing. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, that's the first time I ever heard Steve Kerr saying we're going to have to reevaluate essentially what we have in our starting five. And the two guys that I think he's talking about are Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins. Yeah. You know, I think I think that's what, what's also happening and, and that's what I heard Steve Kerr saying. He's saying, you know, I, I I've been saying all year I was going to be patient and we kind of live and live and die by the guys who who got us a ring. And now it, it not to the not to the exaggerated extent, but remember the night that Draymond and Gobert got into it. He backed uh, Draymond. Yep. And then the next day, took some time and said, "Yeah, Draymond can't do that. He was wrong." I kind of feel like Steve Kerr has been saying he's going to emphasize the veterans, and they got to get Clay and Wiggins to play well to ever think about winning a title because that's that's where it all starts. And now I think what I'm starting to hear is he's open to making some changes. I th- I think to me the biggest problem the, that the Warriors have had with with his idea of living with the veterans is he's got two guys playing poorly, Wiggins and Clay. If it were just one of those two guys, I think you could be more patient. But neither of them is playing well at all. And because they're both such big parts of the team, you, you can't have both those guys ineffectual. And so he's going to have to, I think, what he's talking about is maybe make a decision on one of them 
now, maybe, or at, or at least at some point uh, for some games, I I think you're right. I think we're talking about Wiggins and, and or Clay. Well, and the reason I didn't put Looney in there, because it, he does start, but on a given night, he could play 10 minutes or 20 minutes. Like He's generally not in the also the closing lineup, which is kind of the next part that, that Kurt talked about. But, mm-hmm. but going back to the starting lineup, I think, and one of the reasons why he's now being forced into this spot, and I don't know how much credit people want to give Steve Kerr. To me, it's more about, I give a lot of credit to a Jonathan Kaminga, a Moses Moody, to more of an extent, a Brandon Pachemski, for forcing their way in. Like I think a reason why Steve Kerr was always willing to live and die with the veterans going back to last season was because there wasn't really a guy that stepped up in the way that a Jonathan Kaminga stepped up last night. There wasn't a guy that he threw into the game and took over the game that forced him to reevaluate what he has in his starting five outside of Steph Curry. Now... That's starting to happen, and I think it's starting to happen because of how good these younger players have played. They've played better, quite frankly. Like That's one of the reasons why the Warriors are a, a sub-500 team, but roughly a 500 basketball team is because on any, and on any given night, Sonny, I can't tell you which unit is going to be better, the first or the second unit. And that, to me, is a problem that creates a lack of clarity, which Steve Kerr is clearly talking about, and that's why it sounds like to me, if we're just a little over a quarter way through the season, I I know it's still technically young, but if you are actually going to figure out your rotation, and I think that's an important thing going into, say, the postseason, but if you're going to figure that out, you got to start doing it now. And so Steve Kerr, I do think, is going back to the drawing board because these young kids are forcing him to. Yeah, I I think, and not to... Not to... uh disagree because I agree I think it's I think it actually I think because we know who Steve Kerr is and that is somebody who's willing to lead on the veterans I do think he's been he I think the bigger reason that the young guys have played to me is more because the veterans have really been bad as opposed to the the young players have knocked our socks off well no I'm saying they're outplaying the veterans no doubt no doubt. Like last I, night, Kaminga outplayed Wiggins. He outplayed Clay. That's right. why he finished the game. Yeah. All I'm saying is if is if is if Clay and Wiggins were playing any better, they would get first dibs on all the playing time. True. And the fact that they're not playing well has now opened up the door for a lot of these younger players. Um, but how long can you? Who who, who do you pick? Who 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 goes to the bench? Wiggins. You know the other the other guy I'm a little worried about right now is Looney. I mean, if I didn't know any better, I'd think Looney was was uh, as old as the big three. You know what I mean? Like it, it feels like he's playing older than he really is. There's so I'm a, there's a little a worried about Looney too. There's a lot of miles on all five of them. Like I know Wiggins is 29 years old, but it's his 10th season in the league. Kevon Looney came into the NBA as a 19-year-old, to your point. I mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's these guys have a lot of miles. Kevon Looney hasn't missed a game in, what, three years? I mean, I'm assuming that takes somewhat of a toll on you. Um, I do wonder, though, and, and this is another part of this, which I'm sure Steve Kerr's going to have to figure out, but if he still believes that the veterans give them the best chance to compete for a championship, then... I do think we are going to see him continue to give them rope because 
the potential in his mind of them playing their best basketball versus the potential of the young guys playing their best basketball is probably like that's it, it's going to be the starting five, right? But with how poorly some of these guys are playing on a relatively consistent basis, then I do think you have to ask, ask the question of who gives you a higher ceiling in certain positions against certain teams. Right. Like last night, I, I think the Warriors trotted out their best potential closing lineup if you're talking about offense and defense. And I believe it was Curry, Clay, Wiggins, Draymond, Kaminga. Now, there might be an interchangeable piece here and there, but I think if you're looking for length, if you're looking for athleticism, if you're looking for defense and a, you know an offense that can close out a game, like that to me is the the group that gives you the highest ceiling. And of course, then you got to wonder, are they going to produce like that each and every night? They they put away the Blazers, but can they put away on Friday an Oklahoma City team? Right. And follow that up against the Clippers who just came back from down 20 like These are questions that we're going to not have answers for, I think, for quite a while. But I wonder what people want to see in that direction from the head coach. 888-957-9570 is the number. Warriors beat the Portland Trailblazers last night 110-106. Jonathan Kaminga comes off the bench after not playing in the first half and uh, instrumental in the Golden State Warriors winning that game last night. Uh, against Portland. It's so funny that, I mean, Jonathan Kaminga is by far the most athletic guy on the Warriors. And I just wonder, why, why, I wonder why he was out of the rotation against that team at the start of the game. Like, he, that's, that's kind of a game where they need his athleticism because Portland's got so many guys who are young and athletic. Well, I think the reason, I don't necessarily agree with it, but I think Pachemski took his minutes, or Pajemski. I right. think he, I think like that would be a game where probably Gary Payton II plays a lot too, and Pajemski has been taking those GP2 minutes. And so Kaminga, like we were talking about, was the odd man out, and I don't necessarily know why that is. I mean, right. you, you got to a point where now the bench is playing all five of those guys off the bench last night, played nearly 20 minutes or more. And I think it was because Steve Kerr was searching for answers. Like, no one was giving him an answer. Even right. in the first half, Stephen Curry was not great. Right. He was incredible in the second half. But in the first half of that game, not even he was seeing his shots fall. Well, if you think about the Warriors' first 21 games, they're 10 and 11. They haven't gotten any continuity. They have a lot of guys not playing well. What do you expect Steve Kerr to do? Who do you expect him to lean on? Mm. He's going to lean on the veterans. We know that. That's who he is. And so you're going to have to give Steve Kerr... It feels to me like the quote that we're... I'll play it again in a second. It it feels to me like Steve Kerr is now saying, you know what? We're a quarter of the way into the year. These guys do... These guys, meaning Wiggins and Clay and maybe Looney to a lesser extent. You know what? Enough. That's enough time. We got it. They got to either start delivering or I'll go in another direction. It feels like that's what we're approaching more and more. Now, how? let's see what happens Friday against Oklahoma City. Uh, let's go to Steve-O. Steve-O is in uh, San Francisco. What's up, Steve-O? How you doing? Hey, I'm doing all right, guys. I hope you're doing good, too. Mm-hmm. Thanks for taking my call. Um... 
you know, I, I'm I'm not the first one to, to talk about this. I do I do think that that um, to to the tough choice, um, I think Clay's lost his starting job, and I think you got to get um, Kaminga in there and get the minutes and with the starting five. And the other thing is that the same way that Chris Paul was able to swallow some of his pride, knew he was probably going to be on the second team, came in and said, I'm going to do what it takes to win. You know, he had that, that great quote where, where the reporter asked him, I think, I don't know if it was Carrot or somebody asked him, you know, how do you feel about being on the second team coming off the bench? And he's like, are you the coach? Did you make that choice? Um, you gotta, you gotta humble yourself a little bit and say, you know what, the coach is going to make the decision. And if this is the best decision to win, then I'm going to assume that role. I mean, I think that's, I think that, let me ask you this, Evan. Does it feel like that's where more and more Warrior fans are are getting to? It, it, It feels like, it feels like Warrior fans are becoming more open. I want to be delicate here. It feels you gotta like, be. It feels like Warrior fans are becoming more open to the idea of Clay playing less or being uh, less of a uh, being more of a role player and maybe making the decision center on him. I hate to agree with Steinmetz. <laughs> yeah, I usually do too. I I don't know how you can't lean more in that direction this season. I mean, it's I, like last night, and I know it's not been this way every single night, but it's been more often than not. Like I, I feel bad for Clay. Like I feel yeah, bad for him sometimes watching him force shots, miss open shots, and that that that's part of it too. Like it'd be it'd be a difference if he was just repeatedly like last season. One of the I think the issues that people had with Clay was that he sometimes shot them out of basketball games. You brought this up pre-show. He's taken five less shots a game. Like, he's taken 13 or 14 shots. That's not that many for a quote-unquote volume shooter. But when he's unable to hit an open three that the Warriors need to stop a, a Portland run, and he's coming off of screens, he's getting decent looks, like looks that in the past and even last year you feel like he would knock down. Like, one thing I, I was curious, because... A lot was made of Klay Thompson, what he scored 20 points for of his last five games, had been shooting it better. Mm-hmm. So I just went and looked at last year. I was like, huh, what, you know, what? I'm kind of curious. What does like a, an incendiary Klay Thompson game look like last year? He had a 54 point game last season against the Hawks. He had three or four games in which he scored 40 or more points. From what I'm watching this year, it's hard for me to envision him scoring 40 in a game anymore. And that's a threat that always used to be there that, what, two days ago was the anniversary of him scoring 60 points in 29 minutes. Those days feel long gone, and I think that's why a lot of fans are more open to your question about him coming off the bench. Yeah, 888-957-9570 is the number. Uh, Jonathan Kaminga comes off the bench and was terrific last night. Warriors probably don't win that game without Jonathan Kaminga interjecting himself uh, into that ball game. Steve Kerr seems to be hinting more and more that the young guys could be 
taking more of a role moving forward. How are you feeling about that, Warrior fans? At eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Also, I want to. I do want to get into something with Clay that I need help on from Warrior fans about what would be the perfect player he kind of evolves into uh, at this point of his career. With the holidays right around the corner, now is the best time to download the Odyssey app. You can listen to all four hours of Steiny and Goo, plus outstanding segments like The Morning Roast with Brian Baldinger, Willard and Dibs with Steve Kerr, and much, much more. Get it all on the Odyssey app. Also, coming up at 11 o'clock, our main man, Brian Geltzeiler of Sirius XM Radio. Love talking Warriors and NBA with him. The number, 888-957-9570. What's Steve Kerr talking about with tinkers to the starting lineup? We'll talk about it on the other side. This is Tim Roy, and you're listening to Steiny and Guru on 95.7 The Game. Yep, I'm working on the camera. There we go. Now we come up. Tap. Tap, tap. Christmas music already. Tis the season, You know me. I love the season. Can I guess your favorite Christmas movie? It's got to be Scrooged. Never seen it. I think think, think he would love that movie. The best Christmas movie is The Grinch Who Stole Christmas with the dog. The little dachshund, Max. <laughs> Max, Max is one of the greatest characters of all time. Nah, you'd, you'd love Ebenezer. <laughs> Big Bill Murray guy. Yeah, I, uh, and I don't have a strong opinion on Die Hard. Actually, I've never seen it. Shocker. I do know it takes place in Pittsburgh, though, I believe. Is that true? Not the first one. Oh. But isn't that the one where the controversy Actually, I don't is? think any of them are in Pittsburgh. Oh, really? That's all right. Uh, there's a movie called The Fish That Saved Pittsburgh with Julius Irving. Did you know that? You probably hate it. I never saw it. <laughs> you got to Google it. <laughs> never saw it. <laughs> all right. Uh, Evan Giddings in for Daryl the Guru Johnson. Uh, hopefully you'll be back tomorrow dealing with some uh, family stuff. And the Warriors win last night, 110-106. Jonathan Kaminga. Uh, I spent the first five Our minutes savior. of the show uh, just... I'm telling you, what he did last night is one of the hardest things to do. Not play all night, get into a game down 11, knowing damn well the coach is like, make something happen, but don't screw it up more. And Kaminga delivered. That's, to me, not easy to do. Here's here's what I've been thinking more and more about uh, with Clay Thompson, and I got to get, I got to get Warrior fans' feelings on it. So... I'm I'm looking at uh, Clay Thompson's numbers, and let's go back to two years ago. Okay, two years ago he played 32 regular season games after coming off uh, the injury. Right, um, he came back during their championship season. Yep. Okay, so that year and this year. That year and this year, in the 32 games he played in the regular season, and by the way, remember this, those 32 regular season games that he played, 
Two years ago when the Warriors won the title, his numbers in the postseason were exactly the same as they were in the 32 regular season games. Check it out. It's yeah, an anomaly. It's like 42-38. Exactly. Yeah. But it's, it's, it's perfect for this discussion because we can say he came back, he was solid, and then he was solid uh, in the playoffs too. I think he okay. led the team in minutes in the playoffs. You are, yeah, absolutely. So I'm looking at two years ago, he averaged 29, 29, let's call it 30 minutes. Averaged 30 minutes a game. And he averaged 18 shots a game. 18 shots in 30 minutes. This year, in 30 minutes a game, Clay's taking just over 13 shots a game. So, this is... I don't know how you reconcile Clay Thompson playing as much as he's always played, but taking almost five fewer shots a game... So, I know he's not making shots right now, but the idea of him taking fewer shots than he ever has, I don't like that at all because it's the one aspect where he can still impact a game more than in any other area that he can impact it. So, if Clay Thompson's on the floor 30 minutes a night, but he's only taken 13 shots, which is five fewer than he normally takes over the course of his career, it's going to be harder for him to help you. Isn't it going to be harder for him to help you win? If Clay Thompson's playing like he played two years ago, but he's shooting less and making less shots. Well, if he's playing like he played last night, he He's not going to be able to help you much. But one thing, though, I think is interesting because one of the things I think that's always made Clay Thompson special is his kind of IDGAF mentality. exactly. Like, I'm going to shoot my way through this and eventually find a way out. And for the most part, throughout his career, he's done a pretty good job. Like It's not like he's never had shooting slumps before. We always make a big deal about he starts season slow. Um, during one of the, I think it was one of the KD years, he had just a, a terrible shooting stretch from you know like December to January. Like he's had these before, but there's reluctance. It feels like now to shoot his way out. Like he's looking for other ways to help, which which is to his credit a good thing. But he's never been a player that can beat you by passing or beat you with rebounding. Right. He could beat you with defense, but we understand that's not who he is as much anymore. And, and the team's also publicly stated that. Like, he's a guy that's going to be matched up on fours more. If Anthony Simons is matched up with Clay Thompson, I, I don't feel great about that anymore. In fact, I feel like Anthony Simons is probably going to get a bucket. So, what's the one area where Clay Thompson still can be close to his former self? It, it's shooting the basketball. And so, I, I think you're on to something. Like, that is a concern that he's not shooting as much, which could be, number one, he's unable to get good looks or get open or free himself to take those shots. Or number two, he's readjusted his mentality to try and not be as of a, a gunner and a jacker. But that's kind of what made him exactly. who he was. Exactly. Exactly. And that's and that's where I think I could see him just he's in a he's in a he's in a tough spot right now trying to fit his game into the team's game with as him you know just you know getting up there a little bit because here here's the other thing and I get it these are just averages but we are 25% of the way through the season like I got news for you and I get that the numbers will fluctuate a little but if Clay Thompson's taking 13 averages 13 shots a game he ain't having any more big games 
Like, he ain't having any more 40-point nights. I get it. There'll be an outlier where he takes 23 shots and he knocks down 14. And But all in all, he when he takes 13 shots a game, then he even takes the threat of him having a big game off the table, which is a big part of who the Warriors are, and I've always been. The, the, I, the, you know, the thought that if, if Steph don't get you, Clay will get you. But you know what? Between the two of them, we're making 12 threes. You know, we're making 10 or 12 threes. But Clay cannot make five threes if he's only taken six total threes in the game. You know what I mean? Yeah, and the other part of it, too, is if we're looking at the Warriors as a whole, you know, they, they less and less are able to get easy baskets around the rim, or at least with the guys that they've been playing mostly have been able to do that less. So, like, the way I see it on most nights, the Warriors got to shoot themselves into basketball games, and they got to win games with their jump shot. And who's a guy you expect to help you <laughs> in that effort? That's Clay Thompson. Right now, Stephen Curry is is killing it. I mean, statistically, he's shooting the lights out of the ball, and he did so in the second half to put away Portland. But y- you need your your second shooter, your, arguably the, the second best shooter maybe ever in Clay Thompson. Right. You need him to be a threat, and a threat not just when he has it going, a right. threat when he doesn't have it going. Because one right. thing that always was able to generate space for the Warriors, and when they were moving the basketball and, and things were clicking, even this season is if Clay Thompson's 3 of 10, you still have to guard him. You still have right. to be in his jersey. And I don't know if teams look at him like that as much anymore. Yeah. Uh, 888-957-9570 is the number if you want to jump into the conversation. This is from the Comcast Business Text Line. Uh, 510 says that, that that's good. That's okay. When he's not on, he does not need to keep shooting. Well, that sounds great. But now you have a Clay Thompson on the floor who's not shooting a lot, okay, and he's also not shooting a great percentage, so he's not scoring, and he's also not defending at the level he used to defend, and he's never been the greatest playmaker. So what I'm getting at is if he's not shooting, he's you, you're taking away... Uh, the biggest, not taking away, but you're limiting the one thing he can do where he can impact a game more than, uh, you know, in the best area he can possibly impact a game. Uh, Frank's at San Francisco. What's up, Frank? How you doing, man? I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to figure out, you know, how you move forward with it and not just, you know, the rest of this Hello. year and, and moving forward. Yeah, what's up, Frank? Hey, what's up, guys? Um, I think I think it's more on Kerr, and I think Kerr, it's his responsibility to bring us back to the style that got us here in the first place, which is free-flowing, not thinking so much, being selfless, and letting the ball find you in your spots. And I think the team can sense the, the pressure that Clay's putting on himself, and they're trying to help him succeed, but it's become a detriment to our team now. And I think... You know, Clay could take notes from Moody, from Saric, and these guys are doing little things to put themselves on the court in important minutes, and the ball finds them every single time. And I think if we just can go back to that somehow, um, and I think it all, it all goes back to Kerr. I think he's the one that's going to have to push Clay in that direction. Um, otherwise, you know, we're just going to shoot ourselves off the court, and uh, teams are going to see what we're trying to do every single time. So that's what I think about Clay and what he should do going forward. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think it's easier said than done. But 
it it feels like more and more Warrior fans are kind of getting there. The the Steve Kerr point is interesting because like I, I don't think Clay is the only problem with this team. Like there's a lot of things hmm. that you can go down the list and say that's not good. This needs to be better. We got to correct this. But the the one thing that that kind of I guess elevates Clay on people's DefCon level is Steve Kerr is loyal to him, and so right. he's going to play. Like that's that's just how it is. Like I don't think Andrew Wiggins was any better than Clay Thompson last. I don't think he's Andrew Wiggins statistically played worse than Clay Thompson. Like he, right, he's Liz, hurt the hey, Warriors more exactly. this year. But Steve Kerr has shown that he's willing to not close a game with Andrew Wiggins. He did it on opening night when Andrew Wiggins was a ghost against Phoenix. He start he closed with Kaminga that night. Well, Kerr I'm, hasn't shown us that he's willing to not close with Clay Thompson. That that to me is the only difference. Yeah, and I'll, I'll before the text line even comes down my road, I'm I'm going to beat you to it. I was going to say, you know, we've been talking about Clay Thompson for a half hour. We could, we could, we could talk a half hour about Andrew Wiggins. Yeah, Andrew Wiggins has been no better than Clay Thompson this year. I mean, to me, they're in the exact same boat. I think the reason Clay's more, uh, I think the reason that we maybe harp on Clay. More than Wiggins isn't necessarily because uh, we we dislike him more. I think it's because Clay is a four-time champion. Wiggins is the guy who's just been here for three or four years. So Clay is a more delicate situation. We talk about Clay more. What's going to happen to his future? His contract situation is more urgent than Wiggins. So, I hey, I'm with you. Wiggins, you know, <laughs> I, you know, Wiggins has been pretty bad. And, and I think, He's been pretty I think bad. that's why Kerr is talking about right. the starting lineup. Like I don't think you make a starting lineup change if if there's just one guy who's kind of a question mark or an issue. But if you got two guys out of the five that are not consistently providing production, then you do have to go to the drawing board. Right, right. I mean the one the one thing, the one point I'm trying to make also with with Clay Thompson is if if you're telling me right now he's playing 30 minutes a game and he's taking 13 shots a night. And that's four or five fewer than essentially his season or his career number. Well, then you know what? How about we just play him 25 minutes and he takes 14 shots a game? You know what I mean? I'd rather have him play five, six fewer minutes and still take the same amount of shots just to see if, you know, and, and maybe playing against the second team, he gets better, or a second unit on the other team, he gets better looks. That I would be an advocate of more shots in fewer minutes i just don't know how many he can squeeze off anymore well that are... quietly kerr has been running him with the second unit a lot yeah. more lately now yeah. he, he's still starting he's still finishing but i think that kerr has been using whether it's pajemski or paul guys that are more playmakers and creators for others i think clay thompson is has fit a little bit better and he, and he did Maybe it wasn't the second Clippers game, but the first Clippers game, um, he looked pretty comfortable with the second unit. So maybe Kerr's been tipping his hand a little bit. I don't know. This from Tomas on the YouTube chat. We can't even trust Wiggins to make a free throw right now. Hey, you better be careful, Tomas. Perfect. Wiggins, 15 of his last 17, I believe, from the free throw line. Yay! Yeah, he's up to 61%. Yeah. Yay! Knocking him down. Uh, Let's go to Jason. (laughs) Uh, Jason's in the Central Valley. Let's talk about uh, starting lineup. Hey, Jason. 
Hey guys, thank you very much for taking our call. I sure. appreciate it. Absolutely. Hope you guys are, hope you guys are doing good today. Also, yeah. Um, going know. into this conversation here, J.K. definitely impressed with him last night and listening to the game on the radio yesterday. I think Tim Roy hit it on the head. Just the Warriors just do not have that specific level of athleticism to match up with certain teams. And even though the, on paper the Blazers are a team that the Warriors should have taken care of easily, their athleticism clearly presented them a problem during the first three quarters. And if it wasn't for the athleticism of J.K. kind of turning the table, uh, the Warriors definitely may have ended up losing that game. Um, I think, you know, just kind of jumping ahead, I think into January and February, I think the Warriors need to seriously consider adding some some more athleticism, the scoring type of athleticism to their team, or some sort of maybe shot-blocking defensive athleticism presence to their front line. Um, also, I just want to talk about Chris Paul. Um, some people forget he used to be on OKC and really took care of that team with a bunch of young guys, and I can see him bringing that mentality to our second unit, and I really hope that, you know, get, if, if Clay is running with that second unit as well, I'd like to see Clay not just take threes because he's shooting 34 35%. He's still doing well shooting from the mid-range. I'd like to see Clay maybe take advantage more of the 15- to 20-footers as a part of his game rather than continuing to bomb open missed threes uh, lately. So thanks again for taking my call, guys. That's my take. I appreciate your time. All right, Jason, thank you. Jason, listen in on the uh, Odyssey app. You can always download that and hear everything on 95.7 The Game. Uh I mean, Clay's a tricky one. Clay's a tricky one. But I still, he's a tricky one. This is the other the other thing, and it's and we always talk about. I do feel bad for Clay Thompson. I mean, he got dealt a bad hand, two of them. But, like, when, you know, last year when I, this is the one thing I do worry about when I think about the team last year and, you know, the stuff that was going on. You know, it's not all, it it doesn't have to be malice or malicious what's going on. But the the Warriors do have a a challenge with, you know, they want to win. Clay is a celebrated player who's in a contract year. We all think he may need to take a lesser role. Like, that's tricky. Like, that's really hard to navigate and and win seamlessly at the same time. You know what I mean? It's just, it's nobody's fault. Same with, like, with Steve Kerr, with, with, with whatever's going on with this contract situation right now. With, you know, if, if Wiggins is, is having some kind of ambivalence that we're not aware of, like, those are things that, you know, we... They get in the way of of being successful. Yeah, we'll find those out in the documentary, which you you probably won't watch in 10 years. Uh, Shout out to the YouTube chat. Reynolds Mortgage and Realty, 49ers, donating $2. I'm sure we'll get to them in a little bit. But I think with with the the question at hand is, how much do you think the contract or lack thereof is affecting Clay? Because I actually don't think it's affecting him that much. Like, I, I think... I, I think he's just a lesser version of his former self, and because we've also seen him kind of battle these, uh, if you want to call them demons or you know ineffective stretches, like we've seen him do this before, even dating back to last year. But when he came back from his injuries that first season, it was the top seventy-five list that he was left off of. Right then, 
Early last year, it was Barkley that he was mad at for calling him, you know, no longer the best best two way player in basketball. This year, it, there is a, a contract at the end of the year, so there's kind of a carrot that's being dangled. But I, I think he's just fighting age. He's he's fighting father time more than he's fighting the you know the question mark of how much money he's going to make. I, think. I I I would agree with you. I would agree with you because I it, it, we've seen. Clay for 12 years. I don't feel like right now he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. I think he's pressing, but I don't necessarily think that's because of the contract. I think that could very well, like you said, be his game or be where where he's at in his career, and he's he's trying to figure it out. So it, for anybody who was saying, well, you can't have Clay come into a contract year because he'll uh, he'll lose it mentally, or he you could lose him, or that that's that's I don't feel like that's why he's not having a great year. I mean, that's part I, of I'm why with I, you there. That's part I'm of why I feel there. bad for him, right? Because each poor game he has, he loses money, right? And the one thing that Warriors fans can never dismiss is the fact that he's like he might be the most beloved just on a on a human level of the big three because he's he's kind of more of a. I don't know. I think a relatable person than someone like Steph Curry or Draymond Green. So, like right. everyone's always been in Clay's corner, but now, to your point off the top of the show, people are open to more than ever the possibility of him not being in the limelight and him potentially coming off the bench. Right. Let's go to uh, Let's go to John and Alameda. What's up, John? How you doing, man? Uh, I'm very well. How are you? Doing good. So the last caller made my point about shot selection. So I want to throw a different thing out there, okay. which is, I, you know, people bitch about Kerr, you know, somehow not knowing how to coach after, you know, because uh, he's not changing the life overnight. I think he's following the Bochi blueprint, which is when you've got these, as you just said, celebrated guys, you just have to sort of let them see for themselves that something needs to change. And I think that's how Bochi would play it. And it's a long season and blah, blah, blah. And he doesn't want to, like, lose the locker room because Clay is, you know, it's unhappy and it's infecting other people and it's a story out here. And, uh, he's just, you know, eventually I think he's got to accept the Andre Iguodala role, but he's not there yet. And I think Kerr's letting him kind of figure it out for himself. Good stuff, John. Appreciate the call. Uh, let's hit up, uh, Adam in San Jose real quick. What's up, Adam? How you doing? What up, fellas? Good. How are you? Um, so I disagree with you guys. I think the contract hey. is a uh, forefront on Clay's mind because if it weren't, he would have accepted whatever they offered him in the off season, uh, which would, uh, mm. which is definitely more what than what it's going to be this upcoming off season. So shooting is one thing. Father time doesn't typically take away from you. Um, I think Clay's just in his own head too much. Um, that contract is for sure forefront on his mind. And then uh, let's be honest, Clay's a people pleaser. Uh, I've noticed that the fan base has seemed to turn against him. Uh, people are saying bench, it's time to bench him or it's time to trade him. And I think that's really bothering him. I was at the game last night and there was a moment where there was a fan that was heckling him. And it was dead quiet in the arena, and he heard it. Uh, and he went over to the scores table and slapped the the scores table so hard that I thought LeBron was in the building with all the white chalk in the air. Mm. Um, 
as a three. He should have agreed to whatever they offered him. Well, uh, you know what? Appreciate it. Adam, thanks for the call. Appreciate it. We're, we're also kind of getting up against it. We need to we need to clarify. We, we don't know anything about what was offered, what was turned down. We don't know if there was an offer made. We, I don't know. We, we heard a we report don't. that Clay wanted something, but this was... This was even during the season last year. We we have no idea how the Warriors and Clay Thompson have approached uh, an extension since last season. Well, it's not like the Bob Myers situation where we found out, I think around this time or maybe a little bit ahead, that he had two contract offers that he declined. Right. Like it, it's nothing like that. Right. All right. Uh, coming up on the other side, uh, one of our favorites, Brian Geltziler, Sirius XM NBA radio host. He's also a contributor at NBA TV. Uh, if you've heard him before, you know that he is all over the Golden State Warriors and has a lot of terrific, terrific uh, views on the Golden State Warriors. Brian Geltziler, that's who's coming up uh, on the other side. Also, don't miss the kickoff show this Sunday with Larry Kruger and Lorenzo Neal live two hours before the start of the game. Join us at the Hilton Santa Clara for delicious food, great drinks, and the best pregame show in the Bay presented by Habis Law. You've been wronged. Habis Law will fight to make it right. Call 1-800-INJURED or visit HabisLaw.com. 